Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome friends to another r slash pro revenge video. If you want to join me in getting revenge against the YouTube algorithm, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Viper30000, Turnabout is always fair play. I'm not sure if this one belongs here, as I wasn't the one actually wronged. My revenge was taken for someone I've never met, and I honestly don't know if they personally got any satisfaction from it. I do know what it did to the perpetrator and that it satisfied me, so I'll let the readers decide. Like many of my tales, this one takes place in the distant past, before cell phones were common and before universal caller ID was the norm. In a time dinosaurs most likely roamed the earth, well, the 80s at least, these things are very important to the story. Our tale takes place in a large west coast city known for a big orange bridge and delicious sourdough bread. I was living in the city for several months, working temporary duty for my company, and was preparing to work on the day in question. As was my custom, I was getting dressed listening to the morning radio show on a local station. The station's jocks had started doing something called the Monday morning wake-up call, where on the first day of the week, they would make a prank call on air to a victim chosen from write-in suggestions from the listening audience. Doing this was actually very controversial in radio circles at the time. I'd been a radio DJ in my hometown for a few years, and there's rules you must follow. One of the biggest rules is that you can't make a false or deceptive radio transmission, like announcing an emergency, sending an SOS or a cry for help, or other such deceptions. Doing so is a federal offense. You can lose your license and be fined or even do jail time. It's a big no-no. The debate's long since been decided, but at the time, doing prank calls on the air was a gray area. There were people who were sure it constituted a false transmission, and some stations refused to do it. The argument was still alive at the time this happened. This day happened to be Monday, and the intended victim had been nominated by her husband. They'd experienced a power failure at home earlier in the week, and the husband's suggestion was that the station call his wife, claim to be from the utility, and tell her that the power outage was somehow their fault and they would have to pay for it. The station loved that idea and they proceeded to call the wife at her place of employment, a local bank. The victim answered and the prank began. Hello, is this Mrs. Victim? I'm John Doe from Area Power Company. Do you remember having a power failure earlier this week? Well, it was due to a blown transformer on your block and we've determined that the cause is a wiring fault in your house. We may have to cut off your power until you get it fixed. Also, you'll be charged for the transformer. The total cost is X thousand dollars. Would you prefer we put that on your utility bill, or do you want to make other arrangements to pay? As you might imagine, the woman was shocked, then scared. As she asked for more information, having trouble believing that they were going to have to pay thousands of dollars, she got increasingly more upset. This egged the radio staff on. The guy making the call kept increasing the pressure on her more and more, eventually telling her that her power would likely be cut off until payment was made and that there might be a lawsuit. After several minutes, she suddenly hung up in tears. 
He called her back, and when she heard his voice, she hung up again, crying even harder. This time the guy waited a minute and then called back again. Another lady answered the phone, a co-worker, and he asked to speak to Mrs. Victim. When the co-worker asked for his name, he replied, This is her husband, distinctive first name. The co-worker cursed at him, called him a liar, and hung up. The radio station was filled with laughter. The jocks thought it was hilarious. They took calls from listeners who were all laughing and talking about what a great prank it was. They finally got the husband on the phone, he of the distinctive name, and he was also laughing and joking that he'd surely be sleeping on the sofa tonight. He was congratulating the radio staff on the fine job they'd done terrorizing his wife. The radio hosts promised the listening audience that, because the prank was so funny, they would certainly be playing the whole recorded prank again at noon, so be sure to be listening and call your friends. I, in my efficiency apartment listening to this, was getting mad. I was still pretty newly married and couldn't imagine doing something like that to my wife. All I could think of while the staff and listeners on the radio were laughing was that, a few miles away, a young woman was in the ladies' room crying, probably with co-workers trying to calm her down. What made it worse to my mind was that the guy who set her up was the one guy in this world who should have had her back, her husband. Anger turned to resolve, resolve formed a plan. I grabbed the city phone book, remember it's the 80s, and looked up two phone numbers. I called the first one. You may remember that I said I'd been a radio disc jockey myself. It was a tiny dawn to dusk station, but I knew how stations worked. I knew what they liked, and more to the point, I knew what they did not like. I also had done a lot of voiceover work and could sound professional as heck. The phone rang and was answered, You've reached so-and-so, radio jerk. I launched my attack. Me and my professional voice said, Yes, this is George Smith. I picked a more believable name. From the city office of the Federal Communications Commission. I've been getting some disturbing calls about your morning radio show, and I need to speak to your program director to discuss it. Radio guy one stammering said, Uh, he's not, um, here right now. Let me get you someone else. I was put on hold. After a few moments, Radio Guy 2, also stammering, said, Hi, um, hello. Hi, um, hello, uh, this is Radio Guy 2. Um, you're from the FCC? I said, yes, this is George Smith from the city office of the Federal Communications Commission. As I told your co-worker, I've been getting some disturbing calls about your morning radio show, and I need to speak to your program director to discuss it. Radio Guy 2 gives a short silence, then says, Uh, he's not in yet. He'll be here at, um, 9 o'clock. I say, okay. Well, I can start with your station manager, since he'll need to be in the conversation as well. Radio Guy 2, breathing fast, starting to lose all his composure, said, Oh, wow, um, he gets in at 9 too. I, um, I, I, can I have him call you? He half asked and half pleaded. Me letting out what I hoped was a bureaucratic-sounding sigh. Very well. I'll expect to hear from him at 9. I'll need to speak to your station manager, your programming director, and very likely your on-air personnel from this morning. I'll also need your station logs. Radio Guy 2 said, Oh, yes, sir. I'll make sure he calls you right away. I say, All right. I'll be expecting his call. Here's my number. At this point, I gave Radio Guy 2 the second number I looked up in the phone book. The main number for the city office of the Federal Communications Commission. Radio Guy 2 stammered his thanks and promises of phone calls, and we hung up. 
I went back to the radio. Jerk disc jockey said, Uh Uh-oh, the FCC's calling. Well, they can't do anything to me. I've got a year of pre-law in college and blah blah blah. He continued the defiance for a few minutes and then went to commercial. I kept listening. They stopped talking about the prank call. They stopped taking phone calls from listeners. They stopped talking to the husband. They started playing music. A lot of music. I listened for the rest of the day. They didn't talk about it the rest of that day and they didn't replay it at noon. In fact, for the rest of the week, I listened and heard nothing about it. I was a bit surprised. I figured that they might stop talking about it for a little while, but not altogether. It wasn't until later that I realized why they went so silent. I had scared them. In my quest to get a little vengeance for that crying woman I'd never met, I scared them. But more to the point, I'd embarrassed them. And jerk disc jockey had helped. Once he went live with his bravado against the call from the feds, their listeners knew they'd been called and heard the silence afterward too. They were embarrassed because I'd just done to them what they had done to her, and they didn't want to have to admit it. I've kept the rather distinctive name of the husband a secret because I've always wished that I could meet that poor woman and that name would be how I would know it was really her. I doubt she's still married to the guy, but I'd like to let her know that in that place, on that day, someone had her back. Do you guys feel like this radio show's premise of people giving phone numbers and scenarios to prank call somebody make for potentially good entertainment? Or do you think it's more of a disgusting thing how they're kind of taking advantage of these people in possible situations they can prank them on? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. And our final story of the day is by Real Mothra. Busybody neighbor took my bike, so I fish-bombed her apartment. This happened back in 2013, but I just remembered it while talking to my mom the other day. For some context, this happened while my family was still living in Germany. My dad had just lost his job, which prompted us to look for less expensive housing options, and we moved from our relatively nice, older apartment building to one of the prefabricated concrete ones in a different district. I was 9, so I didn't care too much about the aesthetics of the building. And I was thrilled about the fact that we now had direct access to a courtyard and cement pathways that I could ride my bike on. While my parents were still unpacking, some of the kids from down the hall came to our door and asked if I wanted to ride bikes with them, which became our weekend routine for a while. It only stopped when an old lady from the same side of the hall made a complaint about us being in the courtyard. Not that we were being loud or vulgar, just that we were present. Mind you, all of the apartments on our side of the hall faced the road, which was completely opposite to the courtyard we used, so she couldn't even see us when we were outside. She sold it to my parents as looking out for other tenants and claimed that people had complained to her specifically about how they were worried about walking in the courtyard while there were a couple of kids on bikes in the general area. My parents pretty much ignored her and just told me to play with my friends on one of the nearby streets. No idea why they thought this was a safe alternative, but none of us wanted to do that since we couldn't practice bike tricks on the road. About a week after I ignored her complaint, I'd stayed out past the time I was meant to be home and left my bike around the side of the building so I could get it in the morning. However, as you might have guessed at this point, I woke up the next day to find my bike missing. I, being a dramatic little kid, ran up the stairs to our hall sobbing and told my parents what had happened. Apparently, the old lady told my parents that she had taken the bike from outside because we were still in the courtyard, and they were mad at me for not going to the street like they asked. They then told me to go down the hall and politely ask for the bike back, 
which I did. Unfortunately, the old lady told me that I needed to be taught a lesson, and if I gave her a written apology, yes, actually, I could have it back at the end of the week. It was Sunday morning. I was, of course, pissed and started to plot my, at the time, brilliant revenge. The morning of next Saturday rolled around, and I was ready to put my plan in motion. I had put on a pretty good show of being remorseful to my mom, who lent me some money to buy a tin of biscuits to apologize with. I had my written apology, the biscuits, and several Voblas in a sandwich bag I'd hidden in my coat. For those who have never heard of Vobla, it's a salted dried fish popular in Russia, and that I personally think is one of the worst smells maybe ever. My mom is Russian and loves them, which is why we had so many in the apartment. I knocked on the old lady's door, and she invited me in to put the things down. She accepted my letter and the biscuits, and I asked if I could use her bathroom before I left with my bike, which she allowed. While she was sitting in the living room, I was hustling quietly around her bathroom and bedroom, hiding one of those gross dried fish anywhere I thought she wouldn't look regularly. Stuck between pipes under the sink, stuffed under the giant wardrobe, and even thrown onto the top shelf of her closet. With the all-natural stink bombs deployed, I washed my hands and all but sprinted out of her apartment with my bike, thrilled with the stunt I'd managed to pull off. From what I overheard from discussions between my parents of my friends and I, the old lady complained to the landlord about the awful fish smell on several occasions. He was a total jerk who rarely did anything about tenant complaints before she finally hired a company to come deep clean her apartment. She found and complained about the very old, very nasty fish and actually moved out a couple of months later. Although, I'm not sure if that was due to the lasting effects of the fish incident or something else entirely. Of course, I feel bad about it now, but at the time, I felt like the biggest, coolest genius known to man. I guess the moral of the story is not to confiscate bikes from vindictive kids, and don't ever try Vobla. Seriously. I mean, all things considered, this lady essentially stole from OP and their family. I don't know if I would have the courage to take out the revenge that OP did, but I sure would probably be thinking about doing it in the back of my mind. I would want to be just as vindictive as a kid as OP was. Considering this was just some crotchety old get off my courtyard kind of lady, it's pretty easy to not feel too bad for her. And honestly, it probably must have felt like Christmas morning knowing that she was finally leaving. Imagine that first session playing with your friends in the courtyard with your bikes, knowing that the grumpy old bike-stealing, fish-smelling lady is no longer around to harp on you or your parents. It's like, thank God. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of both of these stories, which one was your personal favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 